You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Buck Sexton. We just need a better understanding of this country that at one point, till today apparently, we recognized as an enemy state. Doesn't mean all the Iranian people are our enemy, but it does mean the Iranian regime is our enemy. Not anymore. Now we're all pals. Now we're friends. This has changed rather dramatically, rather quickly. The president says it's built on verification. That's just flatly not true. But more importantly, what happens if they violate all this? You're forced to ask the question, or what? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being here. It's uh, man, a busy week. Busy week for me. Uh, flew in from from Minnesota on Monday. Then on Tuesday, I went up to uh, to DC for the Defund Planned Parenthood rally, which went great, and it was a it was a great event. Um, Ninety degrees out there. I felt like I was, and it's a. I don't know if this this is how it is in DC because everyone in D, you know they all walk around in suits in the summertime, and so they're just kind of used to it, and their bodies have adapted, but. I'm uh, at, not that this is the most important part of it, but I'm at this rally in D.C. It's 90 degrees. We're out in the heat, and I'm wearing, um, you know, long sleeve shirt and long pants. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm pouring sweat. I, I just, I, I look like I bathed in 40 gallons of sweat. And I'm looking around at all the people around me, and you got these guys in full suits, and they look fine. You know, their faces aren't flush at all. They don't even look like they're sweating. Just all these, whether they're politicians or staffers or whatever, there's a bunch of them walking around, and it's 90 degrees outside. They have full suits, and they look perfectly fine. They look like they could go for a jog or something. And I, Am I just a wimp, or are they used to it, or is it a, probably a combination of the two? But anyway, it was a, a, a good a, a event out there. Um, and I was at first heartened to see that uh, there was a lot of media that showed up at this, at this rally. But, and a lot of media did show up. Uh, but I think I guess they went and they just decided that uh, that in the end they didn't really want to cover it very much because you know I watched the news at night and I looked at all the uh, different news sites and I didn't see a lot about it. You know th- these were I think fifty sixty different cities around the country had these pl- defund Planned Parenthood rallies and there was very little in the media about it. And I'm not surprised by that. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not surprised by that. But at f- because I'm just so naive and I'm, I'm just clinging to any glimmer of hope or optimism. And so I saw all this media show up at the rally in D.C. And I thought, well, maybe they'll actually sort of cover this. And then, of course, they didn't. But in fairness to them, part of the reason for that is that uh, uh, there was, if, in case you didn't hear, a lion was killed in Africa uh, a few days ago. And so that took precedence over the destruction of millions of innocent children. It was a lion was killed in Africa. And so we had to all talk about that. And we had to find out who killed the lion and find out his whole backstory and everything. If for some reason you didn't hear about the story, then what I'm saying right now makes no sense and is, and is confusing. But I'm not going to get into it again. I already wrote a whole thing about it. Um, so that was... Uh, uh, so I did that. And then, and then on Thursday, which is today, I guess... In the illusion of podcasting, it's right now is Thursday. Um, I am going up, to, going down to Texas, I should say, and I'm going to be speaking to this group of young conservatives. 
And, you know, young, I say young conservatives, I, from, from what I understand, they're going to be between the ages of 18 and 25 or something. So I, I, I'll be there. I'll be the elderly state, statesman at the age of 29. And so I can pass on some wisdom and some encouragement. And I've been thinking about what I want to say to this group um, down in Texas. And, you know, the first thing is it, it is a sort of a weird thing to be in our generation. And I think at the age of 29, am I in the generation of someone who's like 22 or 23? I think I am. But and to, be the, to be in one of the emerging generations, let's say, it's a weird thing. To be a part of this generation that has inherited this rotten, bankrupted, dying civilization only to be immediately blamed for it. Have you noticed that that's the way it goes? And it always makes me laugh a little bit when I hear an older person, usually a baby boomer, complain about how the young people are messing up the country. Because I always think, okay, first of all, if the youth are so terrible, who do you think they learned it from? And, and se- you're their parents. And second, dude, we like just got here. Can, can you give us a chance? You people ruined the economy, abandoned the Constitution, elected tyrants to political office, decimated schools, turned abortion and divorce into staples of American culture, generally wreaked havoc upon everything you touched. So you know what? Back off and give us a chance to fix your infinite number of mistakes. All right, Pops? How about that? That's what I want to say, but I usually don't. And of course I say that, but it should be noted that not all of the older generation are to blame uh, my own parents, baby boomers, wonderful, competent, godly people, Maybe yours are too. Maybe not. But the point is, we have been handed this epic quagmire, and older folks, they just kind of tossed us the keys of the car and, and, and walked out of the, you know, walked inside, and we went out to the driveway and found that the tires are all popped, and the windows are broken, and the doors are falling off, and the engine's on fire. And to make matters worse, while we're out here, you know, trying to, to um, fix it, they keep coming by accusing us of wrecking the thing. And that's the situation. It's not particularly cheerful, but that's the reality. That's what I want to communicate because it's, it's tough. It makes things harder for us. Um, but, of course, it doesn't provide us with any excuses. Every generation has its challenges. This is ours. We don't have time to complain about it. We don't have the luxury of whining and crying and stomping our feet and explaining how it isn't fair. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that it isn't fair. We can either choose to take ownership, we can be leaders, we can work to change things for the better, or we can be apathetic wusses. And we can, and, and we can make you know, the mistakes that later generations made during the days of the Roman Empire and decided to just kind of sit back and ride the thing into the ground. Um, so we can do that. Or not. Or we can fight back. And so there's this encouragement for my generation that I think is needed um, and is sorely lacking. Maybe this is why politicians, a lot of times, they, they struggle to communicate with the youth, the youth, uh, because they don't know how to be encouraging in a substantive way, which is to acknowledge the situation and then outline, okay, here's how we can get out of it. And there's another part of it. With politicians, political parties trying to communicate with the youth, there's no accountability on their part. Very rarely is there accountability. Very rarely you know, do they apologize. And say, you know what, you guys didn't cause this. We did. You, you, you could not have caused the problem in our culture before you even showed up. We created this problem. It's our fault. We apologize, and, uh, but we've learned some things from these mistakes, and, and let's, let's pass those things along to you. You never hear that. 
So that's what I want to do is try to pass along encouragement. And that encouragement is, um, like I said, not always the most warm and cuddly thing. But we, but all it says is that you know we have to trust that God put us here in this place in this country at this time for a reason. And sometimes it's it's easy to think that uh, that you know he didn't or that it was kind of a mistake or something, or that it's hopeless that God has basically given up on us. It's easy to think that people have thought that uh, since the beginning of time. But, of course, that isn't the reality. So I think there's that encouragement that's needed. But the other thing that I always want to get across to uh, younger people, younger you know, conservatives or Christians or whatever, is that um, you know, we're constantly told that progressivism, I mean, it's called progressive, like progress. It's moving forward, right? It's looking forward. It's the future. And so we're always told that progressivism is this exciting new uh, countercultural rebellious thing, but really it isn't. And it's important for us to understand that. And, and, and I think if we are going to defeat progressivism as younger people, we have to communicate the fact that progressivism is, um, along with many other things, it is crucially tired, worn, lame, redundant, dull, tedious, crusty. Okay, there's nothing new here. Nothing fresh, nothing revolutionary. The the sexual liberators and counterculturalists of the counterculturalists of the nineteen sixties uh, stopped protesting the man because they became the man, and they've since worked tirelessly to to inject their uh, hedonism into the bloodstream of society through avenues like the university system, Hollywood media, government, so on. And while they once eschewed the status quo, they now are the status quo. And it's been that way for decades. But they still proselytize by pretending that they're peddling something new and hip, but it isn't. And they aren't. Progressivism is as new as color TV and about as hip as your dad's sneakers. Um, there's really nothing There's nothing to it. And they say, hey, young folks, go, go uh, have sex with everyone and take free stuff from the government and do whatever you want to do. Isn't that so exciting? Like, yeah, we, we get it. But as Chesterton might, might say, that idea has been tried and found wanting and tried again and tried again and tried again and tried for 40 or 50 or 60 years. And now these washed up free love crusaders are trying to pass the baton to a new generation, which is our generation, my generation. And despite what you may hear in the media, many of us are simply not interested in stale old mid-20th century liberalism because there's a new counterculture in town. There's a new rebel. Um, neoliberalism was your was your Aunt Barbara's revolution. Defeating it is ours. So sleeping around, begging for free birth control, self indulgence, hedonism uh, that that's how our parents' generation rolled. And sure, plenty of young people buy into it, but most of it, most of the time, they buy into it because they're simply apathetic. It's a, it's a default position. They don't believe in it. They just absorb it, but they don't believe in it. Monogamy, personal responsibility, discipline, the Constitution, 
uh, traditional morality, quote unquote. These things are all right and good, and they're also challenging and exciting. And I, I think that's an aspect of virtue that most people seem to miss when they're coming up with a sales pitch for it. Because Hollywood, you know, we know that it can't seem to to write a compelling good guy character anymore, probably because it's so easy to paint evil as something sexy and intriguing. And goodness as this kind of flattened one-dimensional thing, but it isn't. It's dangerous and thrilling, and especially nowadays. Evil, on the other hand, is 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 completely mundane, and and you know we hear all the time about the pain of hell, but there's also the the monotony of it that we don't hear about, and it's also uh, the banality of evil, you know, that people have talked about. I remember um, there was an advertisement that a liberal group put together for Obamacare a while back, and it was. Um, aimed at getting millennials to sign up for Obamacare. So I don't, I don't know if you remember these campaigns from a few years ago. They caused a lot of controversy. Um, there was one of guys like doing a keg stand. I don't know what that had to do with healthcare, but you know they found some way to do it. And there was a series, and there was one in particular that I can recall. It featured a 20-something girl standing next to a guy on the poster, and the caption read, it said, OMG, he's hot. Let's hope he's as easy to get as this birth control. My health insurance covers the pill, which means all I have to worry about is getting him between the covers. And I just remember that because it's so instructive. This is how liberalism sees us. This is how it communicates with us. And when I say us, I mean younger people. And and this is also where the opponents of progressivism often go wrong. Because you'll have a liberal group, you know, demeans women, speaks to them like they're all just looking for cheap sex and a good time. And conservatives, you know, in that case, all reacted by saying, oh, how dare you? I've never seen such a thing. But yes, you have seen such a thing. You've seen it a million times. And it's archaic, outmoded, obsolete. The young women I know are far too intelligent, interesting, dynamic uh, to be at all engaged by this kind of message. And we, we consider it natural for the new generation to rebel against the old generation this is largely a post-industrial revolution phenomenon and is actually not natural and it's actually not good it's not good in principle to always have this this constant rebellion between the generations and this you know changing constantly where you know the 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 new generation wants to get rid of everything that reminds them of of the old generation it didn't used to be that way i mean there were always differences in the generations but there used to be this continuity between them but now it's like with each new generation, you have, you have like a, an entirely different species of people. Everything changes. You know, everything from the way they speak and, and uh, the things they do for fun and just uh, the clothes they wear, just everything, value system, everything changes between generations. And that's not generally a good thing. But now is a, a time, and it's kind of an exciting time for some reason, um, for, for good reason. Now is a time when the young people can rebel against the old ways for for good and end up closer to God and closer to truth. This is a time when that natural instinct or what's become a natural instinct to rebel against the old generation, this is when that's actually a good thing and we should seize upon it. The conservative end of the spectrum you know, wonders how to recruit the youth uh, in, in the ideological war against secular progressivism. And what they don't realize is that, that many of us do not need to be recruited. We are, we're already here. We're young. We're energetic. We're ready to fight. We want to. That's natural. We're the people that you come to when you want to take on the establishment. And in this era, the establishment is liberalism. You know, the old way is casual sex and godlessness and nanny statism and socialism. Um, 
the man wants us to be a, a bunch of drunken, indulgent, government-dependent zombies, so, zombies, so we, we rebel with the Constitution and morality, the Bible, and an independent spirit. That's, that's what we rebel with. That's our revolution. And I think that's the message we have to send. The truth is exciting. Liberty, liberty is exciting. Virtue is exciting. Liberalism is the opposite. Liberalism is, um, liberalism is Hillary Clinton. You know, I saw a story a few days ago about a Hillary Clinton party, a Hillary Clinton party in New Hampshire. Okay, it was supposed to attract young people, and uh, and whoever at Hillary headquarters, you know, put it together. They also went around um, town posting flyers for it with those little tabs that you rip off to RSVP. And the flyer said, the flyer said, all these flyers around town. The flyer said, "Young Americans for Hillary Party, come for young people, Hillary swag." Pizza, political political discussion, and good times. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, nobody had torn off an RSVP slip. Now, in fairness, I love a party with pizza. Um, I love a party with good times. I even love a party with political discussions, but Hillary swag? C- can you imagine any young person, I mean, even the most liberal young person saying, hey, man, let's go check out this Hillary Clinton party. You know, got to snag some, some Hillary swag, bro. Sweet. Yeah, man, l- l- let's go have some pizza and talk about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's going to be great. Not to mention advertising that there will be young people at the party. Sounds like when your grandmother tries to rope you into going to bingo, bingo with her. She's like, well, there's always a lot of young people here. Maybe you could make a friend. Then you go and there's like one 37-year-old guy there, but he's the janitor. So this, I think, is a, is a metaphor for the old way, which is what Hillary represents. It has become a parody of itself. And... Um, and I know that, 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 that culturally liberalism still dominates, but I believe that that is more the default than an active choice that everyone makes. So it starts with our generation to reclaim um, American culture, to take it away from liberalism, take it to a new place. And a big part of that is to communicate, well, this new you know, thing, this thing that only seems new, this idea of virtue and morality... Um, goodness, the Bible, the Constitution. It seems new, it's actually not. It's timeless. It's, it's evergreen. So it always seems new, but it's especially fresh now in our decaying culture. But we always have to communicate. This is an exciting thing. It's exciting, and that's really important to communicate. So that's one thing I want to try to get across. Um, when I go down to Texas. I don't know, I've just been kind of rambling on this one, I guess. I've just, I've just been working out... I'm basically using you to to uh, work out my thoughts for this uh, speech I have to write. So, um, please don't be offended by that. Don't be offended that I'm using and exploiting you in this way. But that's just that's just how it worked out this time around. So, all right. Um, that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys have a, a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you next week. Akruje Salus. Godspeed, everybody.